So as I said, this is Christ the King Sunday. It's also the Sunday before Advent, and I have to tell you, Advent is one of my favorite times of the year. I know with the Christmas angels coming up, it's probably the favorite time of year for about 135 of our closest friends who will be here on the 16th. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Are you looking forward to that, Charles? Yeah. It's going to be good to see their faces. I have to tell you, though, that Advent, uh, when I was a child, was, uh, was a wonderful time of year. But there was this period of time in between childhood and now when Advent was not so special. Um, and I, I, I wonder if sometimes this time of year... Uh, while it's joyous for, for many, um, I wonder if this time of year is uh, melancholy for, for some of you as well. Um, I know that it was uh, the season of Thanksgiving when my brother was killed, and it was uh, December 16th, 1998, when my dad passed. And so there was a time, I know especially for my mother, that the Advent season, Thanksgiving and, and going into Advent was just difficult. And so I acknowledge that this morning, that sometimes what's joyous for most of us can at times be painful and um, hard to get through for, for others. And I think that's the point of the coming of Christ into the world. See, when my dad was still with us, uh, my dad and I had planned to build our own little kingdom someday so that we could spend time together and run our model trains together just like we used to when I was a boy. And so we collected model kits of bridges and tunnels and buildings and we had every intention of actually building something in dad's garage that would enable us to come together with some kind of regularity and just spend time together doing something that was enjoyable to us but the way things go the way things always seem to go uh, time went on life happened my brother michael as i said was was killed uh, by a drunk driver, um, which caused me to do something really crazy, like join the Marine Corps. And mom and dad uh, moved out of the family home and moved to Beaumont. And our plans just kind of faded into just one another thing that we never got around to doing. Do you have things like that in your life, things that you've been meaning to do that you just put off because, well, job and life and other things just seemed to happen. And so we stored up all those things that we had collected over the years and we put them in boxes and we just never got around to building our little kingdom in the garage and my dad's been gone for about 20 years now. Well, last year, as the Christmas season approached, we were in Advent and I be began to get this twinge of melancholy that I was talking about, this nagging feeling of something was left undone. You ever have those? It's 
nagging feeling of something that was left unsaid, something unspoken that you just can't quite put your finger on, but you know there's something that you just missed. And so one morning, I remember I was out in the garage and I was having my coffee and I was poking around in old boxes in the garage thinking, you know, we may need to have a garage sale and move some of this junk into somebody else's garage. You know how that goes. And I came across an old steamer trunk that belonged to my dad. One of those black trunks that's lined with the paper inside and it's got the big latches that that close it. And so I opened the steamer trunk and there inside was a pile of this railroad track and an old Markland train catalog that was half moth eaten. But as I turned the pages, which were kind of brittle, there was this familiar feeling that came over me. It was, it was peaceful. It was contentment. And I heard something in my head that I hadn't heard for a very long time. It was my dad's laughter. You ever have that kind of memory? Very tangible. Something you can just hear, even though there's no audible sound. And so as Christmas was nearly upon us, I couldn't get the sound of my dad's laughter out of, the, out of my head. And I knew that somehow there was a connection between this, this sense of melancholy that I had and the old train catalog and my dad. And so for several nights in a row, as Angela and I would settle down for the evening, I was on my iPad and I was looking at Marklin train sets. And, you know, Angela would glance over at my iPad and give me that look she gives me when she thinks I've lost my marbles. It looks getting more and more frequent these days. <laughs> but, you know, she also acknowledges that most of the time I'm just a 12-year-old boy anyway. So she kind of let it go. But one thing I didn't realize was she really took note that I had been doing this for several days in a row. And that Christmas, it was so close to Christmas, she couldn't possibly have ordered anything and gotten it in time. But she gave me a picture of what I had been looking at in a card and said that it was on the way. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, it, was, it was absolutely a, a, an excellent gift that she gave me last year. And when it got there, it looked like a train set, but what it really was was an opportunity. It was an opportunity for me to go back and reconnect with my dad and to finish something that was important to absolutely no one else but me and my father. Wouldn't make any difference to anyone else. But it was important to us and therefore it was important to me. So I don't know if you've been following me on Facebook, but little by little in my garage, I am building our little kingdom. Yeah, I know. You can all give me that look that Angela gives me if you want to. It's okay. See, in my little kingdom, there are mountains and valleys and rivers and streams, and there are people, too. They, they drive little cars, and they operate trains, of course, and they live in houses, and they work at industries, and there are villages and shops and towns and churches. And in my little kingdom, everybody goes to church on Sunday, 
and the laughter never fades into memory because life never gets in the way and death and separation never happens because it's my little kingdom. It's a kingdom of restoration. It's a kingdom of reconciliation. It's a kingdom of second chances. It's a kingdom of hope and peace and love and it's made that way by the power of the king who reigns supreme with righteousness and justice and holiness and I'm thankful for the little kingdom and what it has restored in me in our epistle this morning Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus and he's expressing thanks for the kingdom in which the church at Ephesus has chosen to abide. And so he prays this prayer of thanksgiving for, yes, the church in Ephesus, but also for the church in countryside. And he writes, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. So that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. See, what Paul is telling us here about the power of God in the kingdom of God, the power and energy that comes from Christ, that comes from God the Father through Christ the King. He's saying God raised him from death and put him on the throne in deepest heaven. And he's in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power are exempt from his rule. And he's not there just for the time being. He's there forever. He's in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. He's at the center of all of this. And at the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not on the peripheral. We're not on the outside. The church is peripheral. The world is peripheral to the church, not the other way around. The church is at the center. By 
design. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Too often we let the world drive the bus. But scripture says the church should be driving the world. So according to Paul here, the church, the body of Christ, this community of faith at Countryside is at the center of the kingdom of God. And believe it or not, as the church, we are central to Christ's rule of his kingdom. We're not on the sidelines, we're on the front lines. Let me say that again. We are not on the sidelines, we are on the front lines. We need to rise up and embrace the authority we've been given and the responsibility we've been given so that his kingdom will be established on the earth just as it is in heaven. And that's why we've got to make participation in this community of faith and in its missional purpose on earth to make disciples for Jesus Christ, for the transformation of the world. You've heard that? We have to make that mission our highest priority. It is the highest priority in our lives. There's nothing, and I mean nothing, more important than that sending of God to accomplish his purpose in the world. Why? Because we need as many to be saved as possible because as Bobby read in the gospel message this morning, there will come a time when the sheep and the goats will be separated. And trust me, you want to be a sheep when that happens. Building his kingdom here is very much like my building my own little garage kingdom in so much as it's an opportunity to reconcile. It's an opportunity to redeem. It's an opportunity to reconnect so that we may experience wholeness again so that we can experience peace again so that we can experience love and joy and healing again the way it was always meant to be before things happened before brokenness happened before war happened and death happened before separation happened before all the hopes And the dreams of the world got stuffed away in boxes and hidden from the light and the life that was the intended purpose in Christ the King. Because we were meant for more than broken dreams and missed opportunities. We were meant for so much more than that. And Paul prays for us to realize that this morning. My prayer is that we would all realize that this Advent season. That we were meant for more. Our purpose is so much greater than the world tries to define for us. And so we have to take that back. We have to drive that bus. And so that's my hope for us this morning. That's my hope for our little kingdom that we are building together.
In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.